Monday, the 8th of January in the year of our Lord, 2023. And it's just gone 2 p.m. here in the UK. This probably won't be going out till the evening time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I can't remember when we did our last show with Roy. It might have been after Christmas, before the new year, the first review. But anyway, we're back. Before we start the show, uh, I hope everyone had a good Christmas and new year. I have been very ill. My whole family has been very ill. Everyone I know has been very ill. Rick's been very ill for about three weeks. I've only had it four days. Um, I don't know if anyone's got this. It's a it, it's a flu type sweating. My throat was killing me. My sinus, my head. Um, obviously, people know that I I do work for Clive DeCarl, and uh, obviously, I called Clive up. He told me what to do. Within three four days, I'm right as rain. Everybody else is still sick. Uh, it tried to come back, but I think I kicked it in its ass. But all I can say to everyone is this time of year, with all the bugs and the cold, we're not getting enough sunlight. We're not getting the nutrition and the vitamins, and the minerals that we need in our food. If you're going to go anywhere, go to Clive for supplementation. I'm not just saying that because I worked for him. I've known him 12 years. I have seen people who've been on fentanyl patches, uh, who've been told that they won't walk again, people with lung problems. Clive's gone in and he's done it naturally. What people seem to forget is we have been created in, 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 in um, uh, as our Lord, okay? We've been created in his image. He has given us all the tools to keep our bodies healed. Everything has been provided to us. We have raped all of that. It's it's nothing as, as it should be, but all the tools are out there. We're not short on pharmaceutical medications. If you become ill, your body is lacking on a vitamin and a mineral. There's something you're not putting into it. It makes total sense. Big Pharma hate Clive. The social media hate Clive. He, he lost nearly a million followers on YouTube because he's just talking about getting yourself healthy and what your body needs. So before we get into Roy, if you are wanting supplements, go to libertytactics.co.uk, click on Clive's little face, type in Liberty Tactics 10 and you'll get 10% off of all Clive's products. We're going to be doing loads more in the future. We're going to be doing a show next week with myself, Jason, and Catherine, and Rick, lining out what we're going to be doing for this year. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more live videos. We're going to be getting out on the streets. Um, obviously, we're going to continue supporting Public Child Protection Wales. And at the end of the day, it's all about the children. So the children need us, and we're going to do all we can to save our kids. So with that being said... I'd now like to move over to our number one person on the show, Mr. Roy Davis. Hello, Mr. Welsh Wizard. How are you doing? How are you doing, Lil? I'm glad you're feeling better. Loads better. Honestly, the magic of Clive. Prayer and Clive and good water. That's all you need. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot better, Clive. Um, Roy, how are you doing? Have you had your head in books, been researching? What's been going on over this last week and a half? Yeah, I'm very lucky. You know, Christmas time, I've had a number of books given me, but with a difference, they're the books I actually requested. So, yeah, I've, uh, I'm trying to get through them. Uh, they're very useful. Public Bank Solution and uh, Murray Rothbank's What Has the Government Done to Our Money? Um, not everybody's cup of tea, but I've had a good few novels as well, so it all helps. So, so why don't we... Take it away. Well, what do you want to do? We did the review. Are we continuing with the review? Or, I mean, I want to do a bit of um, commentating later on towards the end, Roy, about what happened over the four days in the House of Representatives. I'm so sad. I watched it all. I stayed up and I watched the votes. And it it was, uh, I'm, just, I'm just very sad and I really need to get alive. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to when it came to five o'clock our time. And I went over to NPC, a little Chinaman, to watch his commentating. He's lovely. He's really sweet. He's not that political. You know, he, he is a supporter of Trump, but he looks very lefty. But his it, it was brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed the four days. The, the moment for me came on the final vote, during the final vote, and the camera pans across to MGT, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's holding up her phone. I think it was to Gates. And on the front of that phone, it said DT calling. And then 
then they decided. I mean, if, if that wasn't a message to who is really in control, that, that was it. That was just, it was perfect. So I want to discuss that a bit later on, Roy, but now over to you. I'm going to shut up and pause myself. Okay, Lou, I've got to make an admission. I never watched one moment of it, but I did read up on it. And essentially what I like to do now is do a little, a brief Cook's tour of, uh, of the continents of the world um, or involved in this struggle for humanity. And it's quite, uh, you know, it's quite apt that you mentioned the uh, Speaker of the House, the battle that took place, because I think that that uh, was, will be looked back by historians as a turning point. And what, what, the reason I say that, I think it's, um, is, is the end formally of the political parties. I'll explain. Um, you got to look at it in the context of the 2020 election, the 2022 election. And he, he, sometimes I've got to pinch myself when I hear, you know, Trump supporters saying, oh, well, we were soundly beaten in 2022. Uh, 2020, you know, uh, was rigged. And I think to myself, how short is the memory span? Both these elections were rigged, massively rigged, by the way. And it's to the credit that the... Uh, you know, that the MAGA supporters were able to clinch the Congress. But when you talk about the Senate and the Congress, and this is, this is why, an election in 2024 with Trump contesting, 45 contesting, is literally, I would say, out of the question. And I'll give you the reasons uh, are woven into this, the debate on McCarthy as a speaker. But from the outset, we should say that the swamp, it controls both houses. It's, you can have formal numbers on the side of the Democrats and the Republicans. And, you know, you can think that there's a divide. But in real terms, there's, there's no divide at all. You know, Q made clear that over 70% of the pol politicians in Washington were swamp creatures were under the uh, control, ultimately, of the cabal. Now, the, there are very positives, great positives in regard to, to what took place with McCarthy, because I think for the first time, millions and millions of Americans will have tuned in and will have seen real opposition. And it wasn't just an opposition of, nah, I'm voting no. No, uh, <laughs> when I say I didn't watch it, I did watch the highlights of it, and some of the contributions, particularly by Matt Gates, were really, really effective and would have, would have borne in on the minds of the multi-million masses uh, of what's taking place. And most of all, it showed that there is opposition to the swamp. Now, from the outset... You know, I think this was a part of the part of the greater plan in action because you had uh, twenty or so MAGA, you know, uh, solid Trump supporters who opposed Kevin McCarthy, and then you had the the likes of Jim Jordan, who, <laughs> although he knows all about McCarthy, voted for him, and you had Donald Trump then saying, "Vote for McCarthy," you know, "Vote for McCarthy." He's the man to do the job. Uh, yeah, we need unity. Let's get, let's get the battle on against these de demon rats. Well, you know, Jordan, had he not done that, would not have, uh, he wouldn't be the chairman of, 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 of his particular committee. And it's an important committee because it's the committee that will, you know, unveil many of the, uh, the criminal acts of, uh, of the Biden family. Uh, about their, uh, you know, the, what's taking place in China, the role of the FBI, the CIA. You'll see videos, I think, you know, that will emanate from such committees. So, so there was a plan where a number of the, a number of the uh, of the good guys and girls, stayed with uh, 
stayed with McCarthy. And for a good couple of days, those 20 remained solid. And as I said, they put forward a really good platform of why they didn't want McCarthy. And they identified McCarthy, correctly so, as a swamp creature. Now, I know that um, he had the picture of the, uh, of the Potomac and the Durham boats. I don't know who's controlling uh, McCarthy, but I've got a good idea of what's going to take place because they said, look, look we've had the uh, rules now, the standing rules have been amended. And it, <laughs> I'm amazed. Maybe it's my cynicism, but I'm amazed at these truth platforms that are holding this up and saying, well, these are big wins for us. I don't think so. You see, they say any one individual now can get up and they can oppose McCarthy and, uh, you know, that's it. There's a vote going to be taken. Yeah. You bet your life there's a vote that's going to be taken. And how do you think that that vote is going to go? You know, when you have a phalanx of rhinos in the Republican Party and the moment they put up a vote of no confidence in McCarthy, which way do these truthers think that the rhinos are going to vote? Do they really think that they're going to vote with MAGA, with Donald Trump? On the contrary, they'll go to their natural habitat. They'll vote with the Democrats. And in that sense, McCarthy, the moment that he got the gavel, I believe would have discounted totally all the rules the house rules that he's agreed to. In that sense, for him... You really think so? I don't. I think that's suicide. It's not. It, you look, in a sense, that's what the truthers are saying, but that's if you believe that uh, the Republicans and the Democrats could go forward and that Trump could win the presidency and then you could change effectively all of America, get rid of the Fed, get rid of the deep state legally through the courts and the Supreme Court, and we live in a hunky-dory world. It doesn't work like that. The Republican Party is going to be atomized. See, people say, oh, well, it's bad news for the Democrats. It's much worse news in the initial instant for the Republicans because the Republicans are going to be the first party that will split asunder. Yeah, I believe that Jordan, Jim Jordan in particular, not so much Boner, but Jordan, he will get the evidence out. He will come through the committees. It will be seen on the TV screens. It will be put forward on the truth of platforms, the videos, the alternative media. Yeah, it's going to get big, big, big uh, publicity. But when it comes down to it, when it goes to an overall vote, <laughs> then, then, you know, that's when I think that the rhinos will display their real loyalties and who, if you like, they defend the cabal, the deep state, the swamp. They're just if you like, sleepers in the Republican Party. So the Republican Party, over a period of time, will split. But that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all, because the, this, uh, the breakaway, even Trump will say, well, you know, and it's very good. You know, Trump's went for unity. And once McCarthy starts betraying, Trump rightly can say, well, look, you know, I, I backed this guy to the hilt. He made promises that he would do this and he would do that, and he's not carrying them through. And then all the MAGA will say, we don't want him. And effectively, I could see McCarthy becoming a speaker only kept in power by the Democrats, but too much will be developing outside of Congress and outside of the Senate with the developments that will take place globally, but also what's going to be eschewed in the investigations into the FBI, the CIA, uh, China, China, Russia, Gate. Uh, you know, it's going to explode in, in this next period. So I think it's a really important, a really important mark point in the development of what's going to take place. This is not going to be formal politics. This is not going to be, you know, will the military come in? Are they not? How would the military come in? Do you really think they'd come in if the Republicans, the Democrats, the constitutional law, the Supreme Court, justice was all taking place as it is now. There'd be no basis for that. We have to have events now which will impact on the consciousness of the masses and make them understand that there's no way forward under the swamp, under the cabal, or under Washington, D.C. That swamp 
it, it's not just an aphorism, get rid of the swamp. You know, it's, just not, it's not a slogan to be mouthed. This is a period of history where we have to remove the swamp. And the swamp creatures must be done away with. Now, you know, they, they've talked a lot, but the elephant in the room for me, even with the MAGA, and particularly with uh, the likes of um, uh, McCarthy, is what about the 400 individuals who are incarcerated in jail about a mile and a half down the road? Not a word was said. Not that I heard. And McCarthy's pleas about he's going to expose the swamp, about he's going to take task to these people, Biden and the rest of them. The very least he could have done was put forward to Congress that the 400 should be released and the supervised release until such time as the state, in the guise of the January 6th committee, which is gone now, posits the crimes of the people involved. I do believe, Roy, I do believe that that's the first thing on the board to do. Um, re- they could start their own January 6th committee, ask for all the evidence and get the people free. That's what I read this morning. Well, that's not what I, I did listen to McCarthy yesterday. And I listened to the press conference and he didn't answer that question. So I hope you're right, Lou. Well, I heard, it, I heard ind- it this morning. I'll find it and I'll link it to the bottom of this. Well, I hope I hope you're right. And to be honest, I wouldn't inaugurate a, a January the 6th committee. I'd be more interested in hauling the January 6th committee that's just been disbanded up for investigation. I wouldn't yeah, yeah, formulate yeah. another investigation on January the 6th. And I would immediately, immediately put forward the release under supervision of the 400. These people Absolutely. have not been charged with any crime. They're well, innocent. They haven't committed any proof. crime, have they? They were let in. So they're not so, even trespassing. So they, they're using the thing for trespassing, but they're not. And that's why I think they're, they're saying they want all the video footage released. Like that's going to be the first protocol, everything released that day to show all of it. And that's where I think they'll be exonerated. I think they will have to be let out. Well, put it like this. Had I won the speakership or had Gates won the speakership, I, I think from the chair, initially he would have said, we've discussed this is what we're putting forward. Our first method of business, our first mode of business, bang, let's get them out. Yeah. That, that should have been the way. But of course, all the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. And I, and I believe that's exactly the way it will develop. And I hope I'm wrong. And uh, the speakership of McCarthy, do not in any way, shape or form, I do not believe that, uh, you know, his past actions are disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, agreed. In any way, shape, or form, this guy is deep state. Now, people can say, yeah, I had the picture of the Dunham Yes, and that could have been instituted by us. We've got to have a watching brief. Now to Biden. Now, <laughs> Biden has literally, I, I don't have to go <laughs> every which way on Biden, but he's cooked his... Biden and the cabal have cooked their goose now. They virtually used up all the strategic oil reserves. And now you have the scenario where the resident from, uh, take, if you take uh, Venezuela, you know, this, like with MBS, the resident has denounced Maduro. He's called him all the names under the book. He said that uh, Guido is the real president. And what's happened? Now he said, oh, no, Maduro's the real president. In other words, he's admitting that it was an attempt, an attempt, a coup attempt to remove Maduro. And why has he done that? Why did he exonerate MBS, in inverted commas, of the so-called murder of Khashoggi? Why does he go about doing these things? Because now he's on the hunt for oil. He has fabulous amounts of oil in America. He has the pipeline closed. But, of course, he's caught, He's not caught. He's promoting the green agenda. No fossil fuels, no digging up the earth, etc., etc. And in that sense, Lula is of great import. 
Now, we heard all the talk of Blinken when he went to meet Lula, which is customary, by the way, for every president that, that gets elected in, in, in South America. Yes, there's going to be a meeting. Yes, we're going to greet him at the US, but it seems that that meeting now, it's fallen by the wayside. Doesn't look as if it's taking place now. And that would be in light of what's developing in the next period in the continent of South America. And I would say this, I've said it a few times, but I want to reiterate it. You have parties, names on parties, and you have individuals who classify themselves as this and that. Take no note. Left and right, take no note. Now we've only got patriots and traitors. And in BRICS, the BRICS organizations in South America have invested heavily over the last 10 years. There's real investments in there. You know, China itself put $17 billion in the, into, uh, into, into South America last year. That dwarfs the US, it dwarfs Canada or any other, just China alone. And Russia has gone in extensively. Saudi Arabia is going in for trade deals. India is making trade deals. You know, it's January the 1st. It was January the 1st. Before the day had gone, China had done a deal for $2 billion with Argentina. But it's Brazil that's the key player. It's Brazil that's the focal point of augmenting BRICS as a powerful organization in South America. Let's be clear on this. Bolsonaro was the fifth man for the cabal. Bolsonaro was a deep state puppet. And the more that you research into the guy, the more you will find. You know, people say, oh, Trump spoke well of him. Trump invited him back. Yeah, he did. And Bolsonaro went to visit Trump. But what's not known is that in 2019, the first couple of days of that visit, Bolsonaro went to Langley for discussions with the CIA. This was at a time, by the way, that the CIA were pouring as much filth and propaganda and lies that they could onto Donald Trump. Yet he was a guest there. More than that, he said that he enjoyed the discussions that took place. Bolsonaro, in 2019, he vetoed countries that wanted to join BRICS to expand it. In 2019, China wanted massive investments in Brazil. They wanted to make Brazil a part of the Belt and Road Initiative. There are already 20 uh, Latin American and South American countries in the Belt and Road Initiative. But it's Brazil which links them all up. Now, he would have nothing to do with it. And then we find out that he tried to privatize in his last six months the National Bank of Brazil, a public bank. He wanted to take it in under the Rothschild wing. Now, big developments have taken place in the last period. You know, in his opening speech, Lula said that five countries were signatories to the new proposed currency, the SUR, S-U-R. Now, the SUR is modelled on the future BRICS currency in which they will use commodities and the local currencies as trade, as trading currencies between the nations of South America. What that does, it means then that they don't have to get the dollar, which costs a lot of money in their currencies, but they can just trade their own currencies. And where there is a deficit or, a, or there, there's a negative or a positive, they can adjust it and address it as they see fit. So there are 20 countries in that Belt and Road Initiative. But once Brazil is in, that's it. Then they have the whole of South and Latin America, if you like, um, linked up, linked up both 
by road, rail, sea, you know, air. This year, Argentina, Venezuela, and Nicaragua will join the BRICS. Now, Brazil, what I've just outlined means that it's a big problem for the resident. Remember I said that meeting up, that was hyped up. Yes, within 10 days, he'll be over to see, see us in the White House. Yes, we're going to strike big deals. Ah, that's gone. That meeting is gone. Because this so-called puppet, Lula, that's what he was, that's what the truth is. On all the platform, Lula is a puppet. He's a puppet. Oh, well, this puppet is turning out to be an iron fist in a velvet glove. He's already stated that he has one meeting, which is definitely inked in for January, where he's meeting Xi. And he's already spoken to Xi and to Putin. But the reason, the reason why Lula's a problem is that the resident and the cabal, they have a NIMBY position in regards to South and Latin America, South and Central America. And that NIMBY position is not in my backyard. The resident, the cabal, they're not prepared to have Russian and Chinese forces and weaponry and military on their borders. It's a bit ironic. They, be, they will berate Russia for going to war, for not being prepared, you know, by, for Putin saying we want a buffer zone. But that's exactly the position, I believe, that the resident is in now. What are they going to do? They can't afford these countries to join the BRICS. They can't afford to allow the trade deals between China and Russia, Brazil and all the other countries to link up the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, he's going to see Maduro. The resident is going to see Maduro, you know, and he's going to say to him, well, you know, I've denounced Guido. I need oil. I think there's a good chance he's going to get the same reply that he got off MBS. Because the situation with oil now is much more serious for America than it is for the BRICS countries. That strategic oil is nearly all gone. So where is he going to get oil from? First of all, he went to MBS. Then he made overtures to Iran. Now he's looking to Maduro. He won't bother asking Lula. Because Lula's statements make it clear that he is opposed to the hegemony of the dollar. He's opposed to the weaponization of the dollar. He has proposed an alternative currency to undermine the dollar and to de-dollarize it. Now, I'll fit, by the way, it's interesting. Guido's gone. You know, he's been denounced. Where does the Treasury, the British Treasury now stand? They've got 300 tons plus of Venezuelan gold. What price Maduro saying? Give it to us. We want it immediately. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks. But on Bolsonaro, I suppose the final act of Bolsonaro is now taking place. We find, find out that just before the elections, his sons applied for citizenship in Italy. They admitted it and they said, well, we're just doing it. We're doing it because our great-grandfather uh, was, was an Italian. My father's grandfather was an Italian. We're just doing it, you know, just to get the passports. Now, both sons, they're not in, they're not in Argentina anymore. No, they're in Florida. And what's Bolsonaro doing now? Well, he too now, on the basis of his grandfather, and he also says he's got an honorary citizenship, which he's saying is as good as a citizenship, is looking for Italian citizenship. If that doesn't indicate the rottenness of this crime family, nothing will.
So you have these developments taking place in 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 South in South and Latin America, but there's one big difference. You know, in the in the in the 70s and the 80s, South America was the continent of the of the concentration camp. Yeah, the CIA literally were running the show, destabilizing any government that came against it, creating mayhem, expropriating the commodities, making a fortune. But it's different now. You see, Maduro proved different in many ways. When they tested out the military in Venezuela, the CIA, they came back and they said, hmm. They told the resident, uh, we're not going to get far there. They're all loyal to him. They're loyal to the people. And when they, in 2018, when the CIA liaised with Bolsonaro and set up Lula and got him in jail for a couple of years, they thought, well, we're home and dry. That's why they said, oh, don't worry. The military are coming in. They're going to intervene. There was fraud at the election. It was robbery. Don't worry, it's going to happen now. It'll happen before January the 1st. Nothing happened. The reason nothing happened is that the militaries in South America now, they're beginning to stand with the people. They're also beginning to turn their back on the resident and the hegemony of the dollar and what that weaponization of the dollar has meant to their continent in the last 100, 150 years. So I'll leave, I'll leave South and Latin America, and now I'll come to the UK and Europe. Well, it's not me saying this, but the UK is a basket case. I think it was... Uh, <laughs> um, I was listening to it. Uh, uh, sorry. I can't remember the economist's name, but he said, look, it's all over. And the Sunak government is, imp is impotent now in the face of the economic hurricane that it's now facing. And it's a moot point, by the way, whether the pound will fall first or the yen. I don't know. Uh, Britain has nearly three quarters of a trillion of US dollars. Pan over a trillion. It's a moot point which could go first, but one thing's for definite, Sunak is now on his way out. I don't know whether you remember, Lou, you might not be old enough, but there was a prime minister called Edward Heath. And Edward Heath got caught in what we call the wind. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was that, all right. No, that was, he was before my time. Right, well, we, we had uh, a winter, I was working that time, we had a winter of discontent. And the winter of discontent was largely that millions and millions and millions of workers in Britain said, we're not getting increases to keep up with inflation and the standard of living. And they would not accept it. Now, the Heath government took them on. They went to a three-day week. But it didn't work. Heath eventually was forced to go to the country. And now you have a similar situation developing. Never mind his five promises, which he's just come out of, which he can't keep one of them, by the way. And he's following, you know, <laughs> he's following the office, OBR, Office of Budget Responsibility, or Office of Bloody Retards, as I know them. He's following all their economic uh, promises. He's going to get inflation down to 2%. Strong investment economy. What rubbish this really is. It's inane rubbish. So what does he really face? Inflation on the increase? Guilt markets in, the, in crisis? What do I mean by that? Well, the 10-year bonds, they've been issued by the government and they've been bought by the government. Quantitative tightening. Yeah, that's what we were told. Now it's quantitative easing on a mass scale. But it's the strikes. It's the strikes that are taking place, that are developing and spreading, which I believe signals the end of Rishi Sunak. Now, we should be clear on this. 
we have 10% inflation. What that means is anything less than 10% and you're taking a pay cut. Some of these sets of workers haven't had a pay rise in four years. And more and more sections of workers are joining this struggle. At the end of January, beginning of February, a whole host of layers of different workers are coming up for their annual pay. And that's trapped Sunak. He is in the invidious position and his government now of, on the one hand, trying to say health and nurses are fantastic. The porters have been fantastic. The National Health Service is a jewel. Yeah, they work really hard, but we can't give them anything. No, we can't give them a No, 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 no. There's no 10% coming. That's out of the question. They won't even go into a room to meet them. Why? Because if they give away on an increase of around 10% to one section of workers, that's it. Everybody is going to demand the same increase. And that would blow a hole through their disastrous budget expenditure plans. Now, he also threatens anti-trade union laws, in effect, an attack on the right to free speech, which can't be supported. So what's the position of patriots? I'm not interested in what this trade union leader says or says. What I am interested in is that the working people of this country get at least get at least the right to exist where their pay doesn't fall every year and that they're pauperized. Now it's most likely that we're going to see a general election. And the general election will be a disaster for the Labour Party. A disaster for the Labour Party. Oh, yeah. I would imagine they would win. But what can they offer? Absolutely nothing. It literally, they have, you could put a cigarette paper between their policies and programme to that of the Tories. If they had an election today and Starmer came to power tomorrow, he would adopt exactly the same position as Sunak. Make no mistake about it. I listened painfully to a 20-minute broadcast he did yesterday. You know, the media was there, and it literally it asked him the type of questions that Biden has asked. Oh, lovely, lovely, Debbie, easy to answer. And you can see by that type of interview that they're now all pitching in for a change of government. But it doesn't matter. I'll tell you privately, I bet soon I can't wait to leave. He can't wait to pass the poison chalice to Starmer. And Starmer is a particularly ignorant representative uh, of the working class. He really doesn't have a grasp of the economics or the politics. And in that sense, he's a real puppet of the cabal. So I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see Starmer become prime minister this year. But I'll make a prediction. I have my doubts whether he'll last as long as trust when he comes in. And the reason I'm saying that is it's only going to get much worse now economically and particularly for the pound and particularly for Britain, given the weakness of the British economy, its lack of investment in manufacturing industry and its huge bubbles in assets, in the financial assets which plague it. So by the time that Starmer comes in, he could be in a financial maelstrom. <laughs> and that's when he becomes soon at Mark II overnight. And that's 
when it all goes wrong. Because you'll see then the breakup. It's the same, the same issues that are going to affect the Republicans and the Democrats. The breakup, the atomization of parties, that's going to happen in Britain. That's yeah. going to happen in all these countries of the Western cabal-controlled countries. In regards to Germany and France, <laughs> Germany and France, they've been caught by America. America, or the cabal in America, the resident of the deep state, they've done a job on them. They've got them to agree to sanctions against Russia so that they can't get any gas or oil. So they can't get gas or oil, so the only place they can get LNG from is from the resident. And what did the resident do? He increased it 400%. And Macron wimped. I didn't think that's what friends did to friends. But the whipping of Macron and Schultz is as nothing to the gathering storm of the masses in France and Germany. And they're aware of that. That's why they had that, I mentioned it before, that rush meeting with Xi, where they tried to do a deal to get Russian oil, only for it to be snuffed out. For Putin to say, no, I don't want any of these countries that support the oil cap getting any oil. So under the imprint, under the fire of the multi-million masses, with the German economy going down, it's going down, it's, it's, it's deflating at an accelerated rate, where the French economy is all but bust, where only half of their, new, of their energy stations, their nuclear power stations, are now in operation, what are they going to do? What can they do? They'll do the same as Japan. What did Japan do last week? It said, fuck you to Biden and to the cabal. Get stuffed. And they said to Russia, yep, forget the sanctions. We're back online in the Sackling Gas Project. We're going to secure for our people energy. And if that means that the yen goes down the wayside, then it's clear that they decided it can go but they'll keep their economy. And very quickly, by the way, I think they'll jump into the BRICS camp. They'll reflate their central bank. It's partly publicly owned. And they can, they can turn around very quickly. So I think France and Germany will split asunder from Europe. But there's an irony in all this. Because I read Medvedev, his predictions for uh, Europe, for the world. And by the way, Medvedev said our predictions, our prognosis. So it's not just Medvedev. But in Europe, he put forward interestingly that he thought he thought that Labour would come to power. And he also said Labour would then apply to join the EU. And I read it and I thought that's quite interesting. That's what Starmer will probably hang his hat on. That's what he'll probably say, oh, we're, you know, we're in, a, we're, in a, we're, in a, we're in a terrible state. That was due to Brexit. He'll turn vote fast on Brexit. We've had discussion with the European partners, and we can go back in. We can stabilise our economy. We can go forward from there. That's the type of bullshit he's going to come out with. <laughs> probably sign it, actually, at the very time where Germany and France will say, well, we're off. See ya where the euro will no longer be a common currency and Britain will be in a far worse state than had it not done that in the first place. So I hold out that that could actually happen. That's one of the predictions that Medvedev put forward with. I thought, yeah, that could definitely take place. And let's not forget about how America has stuffed Germany and France. You've got the resident now offering huge financial inducements to European firms to re relocate to the US. <laughs> and they're considering it, unfortunately for them. You know, it, you can't relocate overnight. It takes time. But they have indicated they want to do it. And they could be in the same state as the Labour Party. They could relocate, relocate into the United States at the very time when the dollar's going down the Swanee. And the whole of the world, WCC countries, are literally 
the currencies are finished. And we should, again, Lou, I don't know whether you remember, but I said of Maloney, just because she's, you know, she mouths the things we want to hear, it doesn't mean that she will be a leader, a patriotic leader who will fight for her people. And I warned the truthers, don't fall hook, line, and sinker for Maloney. But they did. And now you have the disgusting spectacle of Maloney saying that she wants Italy to shut their power down for an hour and then they can donate that money to the Ukrainian people. <laughs> uh, this from a leader who said she was a personal friend of Putin before she was elected and that she didn't support the war itself. She took a neutral stance. Now she's standing foursquare behind the resident. So the outlook for the EU is very dire. Very, very dire. Its biggest plant, operating plant, the chemical plant, has said it's moving. It's agreed to move to China. The major countries are energy starved. Russia, it's closed. It's closed its energy. Gas and oil. Okay, there is some oil going through the pipelines at this moment in time. But that's going to finish. The US are ripping them off. So I think that keeping our eyes on Germany and France will give us a good indication of when the major splits are going to take place. Now, I'd like to come to the BRICS in the East. Now, what's the key economic and uh, the key economic and financial difference between the BRICS plus countries, which I'll call the East, and the Western cabal-controlled countries, which we'll call the West? There are two different banking models competing for dominance on the globe today. One is a public model. That model, the uh, it's in the interest and the profit. It's in the interest of the community because the profits belong to the community. They return to the community. Credit is delivered to the economy in an organic way that sustains it and is sustainable. It's publicly owned banks operated in public by law. That means they must support the real wealth-producing economy. Bank profits generated from the credit of the public are returned to the public. A good now, when I say that, I don't mean socialist banks. A good example of this was in the uh, first half of the 18th century in Pennsylvania where Benjamin Franklin set up the land bank. Now, I'm not going to go into the land bank. Our listeners can do that if they want to, but that's an illustration of how a public bank does work. It was a marvelous development, and it laid the, uh, it laid the basis for the fight against uh, the Rothschilds trying to take over the banks in that period of time in America. Now, the other model is the privately owned banks the usury banks, which operate for private gain and under, are under private ownership. They are extractive. They take from us rather than cooperative like the public banks and supportive. They're focused on maximizing the profits for their owners and executives. These are today all debt-based Ponzi scheme banks. Most of them are zombie banks. Now, what I'd like to do now, Lou, it's a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty long quote, but it's well worth me reading because it gives an idea what the real relationship of forces are, and it might be an eye-opener to many of our listeners. Now, it's from the Public Bank, and uh, Brown, the economist, wrote it. She's, a really, uh, she, 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 she's up there with Keynes, Friedman, She's accepted she's on that level. And this is what she wrote. Removing our myopic U.S. blinders, we find that internationally, not only are publicly owned banks quite common, but that countries with strong public banking sectors generally have strong, stable economies. 
According to an Inter-American Development Bank paper presented in 2005, the percentage of state ownership globally in the banking industry by the mid-1990s was over 40%. These public banks are largely in the BRICS countries, which contain nearly 3 billion of the world's 7 billion people, or 40% of the global population. The BRICS have been the main locus of world economic growth in the last decade. That's 2010 to 20. Publicly owned banks compose 60% of the banks in Russia, 75% in India, 69% plus in China, and 45% plus in Brazil. According to the China Daily, between 2000 and 2010, BRICS GDP grew by an incredible 92.7%. In the WCC countries' economies, they had a modest growth of 15.5%. In 2009, where the GDP dropped by 2% worldwide in the WCC countries, the BRICS expanded by 4.3%. In 2010, the BRICS GDP surged by 8.8%. The International Monetary Fund predicts, this book was written in 20, uh, uh, 2014, 2015, I think. The International Monetary Fund predicts that by 2016, the GDP of the BRICS countries will total 21 trillion, outstripping the United States. On a currency-adjusted basis, the BRICS are already bigger than the US and the UK combined. Well, They've gone way past that in the last period. The largest, she points out, the largest banks globally are also state-owned public banks, including the two largest banks by market capitalization, both Chinese banks. The largest bank by deposits, the Japan Bank. The largest bank by number of branches, Bank of India. The largest development bank, China Development Bank. The world's seven safest banks are all publicly owned. And I could go on and on. In other words, in Britain and in America, public banks are alien. They don't know them. Both the, both the, uh, the Freedmanists and the Keynesians, they don't know them and they don't want to know them. They're ignorant of them. Yet, as she points out, overwhelmingly, in the majority of the world, public banks exist. Not only do they exist, but they thrive. Because they have a, with private banks, like a federal bank, you can't have an audit of it. It'll tell you what it's doing, but it's not, it's not, it's not by law. It doesn't have to. The Wall Street banks, well, they control and pay Congress, so Congress makes laws which, which means that they can get around anything they want to. But it's not the case with public banks. Public banks are accountable. They're accountable to the government or to the region. And they have to be transparent. And they prosper on that basis. They generate money. And those, that's the way in which the BRICS countries Move, well, they're not moving. They've, that's what they've got. And the statement last week that the Russian, uh, the Russian wealth fund, which, uh, if you like, is the rainy day of its publicly owned central bank, which has uh, you know, hundreds of billions in it for whatever it might need. Formerly, they'd, they'd use it to buy dollars if they wanted dollars or euros if they wanted euros to get commodities on the world market. But last week, they announced that they are no longer holding any of the WCCC currencies. Bam. Bam. Wow. Now, now you have a case where all the countries are looking and they're watching Russia. Can Russia survive without utilizing any of the WCC countries. Well, 
It's only been a week and a half. And some of the key economists are saying, oh, we've got a problem. Not only will they survive, but they're going to prosper. So how long do you think it is before Russia and China and Brazil and the Middle East do that? They're going to follow suit. Remember, the WCC countries, with one or two exceptions, they're all mass net importers of goods, of commodities. The only thing the states really exports is the dollar. Whatever we export in Britain, we end up in a deficit. So you have a situation where what Russia's really saying is, we have our own economic model now. We can get any commodity or resource that we need, and we don't need the WCC currencies. It's a small step for, other, for others to follow. It's a frightening development. This is before, by the way. This is before they even release any of the bullets in the chamber that I've talked about so often. While we were all looking at the speaker, while we were all looking this way, it was dropping a bomb. Russia will survive, okay. It'll become more and more powerful more and more enriched. Its people will prosper. What's happening now in China? China's economy is screwed. That was three weeks ago. You looked at Bloomberg, uh, CNN, it's all over. They can't, uh, there's nothing to do. And now we learn that it has the biggest stockpiles of metals, of coals, of energies of materials that the world has ever seen. And as Jim Willie pointed out, they've not got all those stockpiles of all those basic commodities just lying in, on land and in warehouses. They're getting ready. He said they're getting ready. COVID, yep. COVID's now, everything lifted off. Now they're having to deal with the effects because they didn't it, you know, with a flu, herd immunity is the only way forward. Now there many millions of their population are coming out and catching the flu. So it's having an effect there, but nevertheless, it's lift off time. It's lift off time. They do not any longer have a problem in the housing sector. As I explained, the problem in the Chinese housing sector had more to do with the derivatives of the WCC than it ever did with Xi and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and China itself. Xi, from the word go, said, well, we're not paying any. We're not paying the interest. We're not paying the principal. We don't care. And now we, now we learn that house building is back on par. The Chinese people now are able to buy houses at reasonable rates. The people are being reimbursed and that its economy is now starting to wake up. Well, when that economy does wake up, when it does move forward, when it's firing on all cylinders, what happens to the WCC? Do you really think China is going to send goods to America after America's intervention in Taiwan, after the role of the resident in his relationship to China? Why would they do it? Okay, 18% of the goods they export. But they can turn inward to the billion and a quarter people that they have within their own nation. Now they have the markets of the Middle East, of Africa, of Russia, of India, of the stands. They're now going to generate the wealth within their own, their own areas. They're going to turn away from us. It's going to be a dark winter, a dark, a dark spring and summer. It could be a dark winter as well, next winter. And this winter, possibly. It's not going to be good. Nevertheless, it's got to be dark, very dark before it becomes light. And that it, we will see the light. It's where 45 comes in. 45 comes in. And then there's a reconstruction. 
Then there's a new America. And then there's a new world. So we've everything to look forward to, Lou. And nothing to worry about, really. So I think so. I think God's making his move. Like I've had all the various prophets come on the show. And they say it's always darkest before the dawn. And, uh, yeah, here we are. So fantastic, Roy. So maybe we'll come back again next week and uh, see what happens over the first week with the new house in, uh, in place over there. Now, I know people ask why we focus so much in America, but as Roy pointed out yet again, we look there because that's where the action, that's where it's happening. And it is a domino effect. What is going on there will give us an inkling going to play out here it all starts with so let's just wait and see um i'll be back over the next well tomorrow jason and Catherine and rick with um a look at 2023 and then what we've got coming up and what stories we're going to be covering roy will be back in a week we're going to drive the carl on we've got loads of guests lined up so uh we'll be back tomorrow .co.uk. Uh, you can find us there and we're on Twitter and I think it's Lou Liberty Tactics Telegram, all the usual places you'll find it, all our uh, handles on the website so Roy, how can people follow you? Well at the moment it's just Telegram though. Yeah. You're still, you've, you've, uh, you've got a lifetime ban apparently on Truth Yep, I'm out now I'm out, it seems I, uh, yeah I requested they they they, they did say uh, it's okay you can come back on, so we've had the investigation and uh, yeah okay. Well, I sent an email and said, well you know, can you send me the details of uh, the investigation, please, so I can know where or why I was uh, suspended in the first place. Uh, I never got a reply, and then when I went to go in, uh, it just said you are now banned. Uh, you know, you're not a subscriber anymore. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And that was it. Wow. Oh well. Here we are. You know. Okay. Yeah. Roy, thank you. We'll speak to you next week. So, Roy Boy Seventeen on Telegram. Okay, Lou. You take care. Okay. I just have one thing to say. Hang on here. <laughs> Where you going with that gun in your hand? You'll strip the rat from an American But leave it locked and loaded for the Taliban Hey Joe Where you going with that blood on your hands? Heard you say it, it was on the news You're the president, the buck stops with you Now there ain't no mommy and there ain't no dad Cause you wrapped them up in the American flag Thirteen kids but you stopped the war And there ain't no sense going back for more Cause hey Joe, we did it 81 million votes Where you going? Why you moving so slow? They'll prop you up on the TV screen But forget your job, what flavor ice cream is that? And hey Joe, where you going? Do you even know? Here's the deal, the country's broke You ain't no leader and you ain't the boss You wander around like you're fucking lost So check your watch, turn your back Set us up for the big attack Cause hey Joe, we did it 81 million votes So where you going with that gun in your hand? And hey Joe, 
Where you going with all that blood on your head?